Welcome to the Patterns of Truth podcast, the place for casual discussion of biblical principles and difficult questions that face the Christian believer. We believe that the Bible can speak to today's issues, giving us the wisdom and the courage we need for our lives. We are so glad that you are joining us, and you can always find us at patternsoftruth.org. about miscarriage and baby loss. Did you know that about 26% of all pregnancies end in miscarriage? That means you, you probably know someone who's experienced one, or maybe you've gone through one, or more than one. Today on our Patterns of Truth podcast, we're going to be discussing the difficult topic of miscarriage and baby loss and what that means when you're a Christian. I'm Patricia, your host for today, and we are going to jump right in. Miscarriage is not an easy thing, even though many people have experienced this type of loss. I've heard this saying, sadly, miscarriages are common, but each person and each family experiences it in their own unique way. We might feel a loss of control, fear, confusion, stress, and heartbreak, and God's voice may seem far away during these times. Even as Christians, it's difficult to know how to pray and care for those grieving losses of this kind. And if you're the one going through the loss, it's hard to know how to pray for yourself or what to do. So for our conversation today, we have Elise, Nathan, and Tracy as our guests today. Thank you so much for joining us and just being willing to be so vulnerable as we discuss this topic. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So I want to start with. Um, just general, you know, we'll start with Elise and just asking what drew you to this podcast in particular, this episode, how do your experiences connect with the topic? Well, when this, whenever this subject comes up, I know I have to speak to it because I don't want anyone else to, um, suffer the pain that I did and my pain and suffering from infant loss was a lonely path. And I didn't have any support. Um, I had a, a wonderful husband, of course, and a lovely mother-in-law who was a nurse and who kept telling me. So let me go back and tell the story a little bit that um, I had a pregnancy that wasn't totally viable and ended around five and a half months into the sixth month. And and uh, my mother-in-law kept saying, don't worry, everything's fine. It's fine. When I knew, even though it was my first, it wasn't mm. fine. Um, and so um, when it was confirmed that there was no heartbeat, you know, I, I had to move forward. And, and, and it just was a really lonely path, mm. really lonely path. I, I had no support in terms of anyone knowing what to say. Hmm. and when to say it or not say it at all. Or sometimes people just don't show up for mm -hmm. you at all because they don't know what to say. So I really connect with this topic. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Nathan, yeah. what about you? Um, so for, for me, uh, what drew me to this topic is uh, going through the loss itself, um, experiencing that. but. More than that, uh, what really, I guess, drives me to speak about this and tell about this is it's what 
God used to open my wife's and I's hearts, what God uses to trust in him alone. Um, we had both grown up in going to church, uh, but we re- didn't really understand what saving faith was. And um, this was definitely the uh, lowest point of my life. And um, God really created uh, beauty out of the ashes of that loss. And it's a way for me to remember Jude, our son. It's a way for me to give God the glory um, that he can do something so wonderful and something so tragic. Yeah. Tracy, what about you? Yeah. So um, our story was that we had a, I was, it was my first pregnancy. I was about 22 weeks into the pregnancy and I went into labor just completely unbroked, totally out of the blue. My water broke and, you know, we, we had had a heartbeat. We, by the time we got to the hospital for a delivery, the baby had died. Um, I would say just those words you said in the beginning, just confusion and stress and just completely knocked us off our feet was our experience. And so any way that we can help somebody mm-hmm. stays is definitely, we're always eager to talk about the loss, quite frankly. Yeah. No, and that makes so much sense too, because I think the the process of talking about losing a child in this way, like the event itself can be very quick, especially in a medical situation, right? Because you have another human inside of your body, there is a sense of urgency from the medical professionals to save you, save that child. And everything is happening so fast, you do not have time to think. You might have to sign things. You might have to believe, give consent to things. You are hoping that someone's going to tell you that what's happening is not happening, depending on your experience. Mm. Yeah, And then the conversations about what happened extend far longer than that moment. And it takes a long time to unpack. It can take months. It can take years. I know someone who has seven children and she lost two in between my friend and another sibling. And she still cries about it. Mm-hmm. My friend is older than me. Yeah. So it's not something that can just go away, right? Whatever that experience is. And I think that Mm -hmm. this is a good opportunity, you know, just to kind of work through the processing that needs to happen. Um, because none of us know if we do go through this, how it will be. But as believers, I know that there is strength in clinging to the Lord because we, don't have the strength. And I know we don't in those moments. So that's where it comes to my first question. It's really hard in these moments. We know that God creates life and we see that beauty around us all the time. So how do we reconcile our faith with the reality that this type of grief can occur? How do we reconcile that? Well, I'll just say that my first response was to unite and connect with David in the Old Testament. And when he uh, lost the child that he was having with Bathsheba Um, and just the grief that he was going through, that was my connecting point. And that was my solace to grieve with him. He taught Mm -hmm. me how to grieve the loss of the child. That was my starting point. Yeah, I think for me, it just 
I mean, it, it goes back to the fall. Infant loss is not supposed to happen. Sin is not supposed to happen. And, and you know, with some context of years since our loss, we're able to look back and see that all these things happened. And this is not God's plan. It's not God's design. Um, and it just really speaks to the the truth of scripture that scripture tells us why we have death it tells us that we have a savior and we need a savior and um really just that's how we understand our world view uh, as christians yeah the christian walk is not an easy one and we're it's not hidden in the bible it's pretty clear it's not just because you're a christian it's easy when somebody dies that's just not the case so i just always go back to the fall that we do have a reason for why the world is broken the way it is yeah that is something i think about too in a similar way about how like even if you're a scientist right of that background you get down really to the nitty gritty talking about however things happen at any level, like the genetic level, something's not working right. Right. And life cannot be sustained. Hmm. This reason. And my mind instantly causing this genetic abnormality, what is causing something not to go right? Well, Mm -hmm. it's it, right? The Lord created us a certain way. And then sin came in and for lack of a better phrase like you know everything just went off the rails and so where we are we know that death can occur at any stage of life but it's still hard yeah still hard you know we can know this objectively but it doesn't make it any less difficult if we have to walk that way yeah Um, and at least i like what you said about david because i think the words of david in particular when he was speaking about the child that he lost from Bathsheba have often comforted me. And, and, you know, if we do a bit of like close reading, he says, when the child died, he says, can I bring him back again? Mm-hmm. I shall go to him when I die, but he shall not return to me. And I know there's no specific verse in the Bible that says exactly like, where do the souls of unborn children go? But I think we can infer here, David, who was a man after God's own heart, right? And also the omission of, right, we talk about salvation in terms of adults, right? That's really like people who can understand the gospel where we can say this child went to be with the Lord. And I know for me, I could hang on to that verse in my own experience. I was not worried about my child any longer. I was like, Lord, please help me, right? My child is safe. My child is not in pain. But Lord, there's a struggle right here, right? And I think that, I think really holding on to what we know from the scriptures can give us a a measure of peace that passes all understanding, to be quite honest. I'm going to read some verses without comment, just a list of verses that might comfort someone wherever they are in their grieving process. Psalm 56, you put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? Psalm 9, they that know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 16, preserve me, O God, 
or in you do I put my trust? Psalm 18. In my distress, I called on the Lord and cried to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came to him into his ears. Psalm 34. The Lord is near to them that have a broken heart and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 62. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge. So I want to turn to Nathan and Tracy, because I know you went through this experience as a couple. What did it look like for you to depend on the word of God when you were grieving? At any stage of your grieving process, what did that look like? So we were not Christians um, before Jude died. And really, I guess God's providence and God's provision was we did receive counsel, significant uh, counsel from a couple whose entire ministry is around miscarriage, stillbirth, uh, post-abortive. And um, that's what God really used to open our eyes to to see because the quote unquote faith that I had required me to do stuff. And Mm -hmm. it was at odds with, well, I'm reading this. It's telling me that my son Jude is in heaven. The the verse we just mentioned in uh, second Samuel and he didn't do anything. He didn't Mm. utter any words. He didn't say any prayers and yet God saved him. And I, I just had the wrong idea the wrong conception the whole time and so that particular verse just like you both alluded to was what i hung everything on and um we went through a book called safe in the arms of god and uh one thing the author of that book he contrasted um david's loss of absalom and david's loss of the child with bathsheba And they were very different uh, reactions. David weeped and fasted and prayed while the child was still alive. But once the child died, he rose, he got up, he ate, he stopped fasting. And, you know, his his servants were like, well, what are you doing? Like the child's dead. Now you act like, you know, everything's okay. And that's when he says, you know, I will not bring him to me, but I will go to him. And so depending on the word of God, uh, you know, and I, I don't know, I, I guess God just showed me that particular verse and, and everything in that book was good and it was true. But that particular verse was just that was my immovable anchor, I guess, during this whole time, because it's what made me realize what true salvation is. And it is from God. It's not from us. And that's how God can save an infant who's never professed Christ, who's never, you know, conceived of his need for a savior. And yet he can save him. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I remember, you know, just in the immediate days after we had our loss of being sent Bible verses for comfort and I would read them and I was like, these aren't helping. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. really comfort it actually, you know, and really mm-hmm. that of like, well, this is where my hope is. Why is this not helping? Um, but ultimately, you know, after grieving and 
having some time to ask some questions and process, we just return to the word and return to those same verses and they're mm-hmm. comforting and just answers the, why me? Like, why my baby? You know, and kind of answers all those things that were nagging that weren't particularly comforting became comforting, I would say, coming back to the word. Yeah. It's the timing, right? And that's, mm-hmm. the grieving process is so... yeah nebulous i should say because a lot of times at least for me i know i would say man i should be past this crying thing by now or like again i'm feeling this coming up again right i know some of us may feel internally frustrated with ourselves if we're not doing things as quickly as we can or or anything else right if we need to take more time or things are just coming up again and again it can be difficult to figure out like, what should I do now? What do I need today? <laughs> right? Um, because we can get so lost in the emotions. And then there's the physical aspect, right? There's the physical pain, right? That, that you can, that you are going through in that grieving process as well. And just kind of cutting through all of that, there can be a lot of noise or a lot of deafening silence as well. So Elise, what about you? What does it look like? to depend on the word of God when you're in that grieving process. So I just want to speak a little bit to those who may not have a foundation in the word of God, who may be new believers and have only heard a little bit from the word of God. First, I want to thank you, Patricia, for those verses, because they are a good springboard for at least knowing how to cry out to God. So even if you don't have the prayers, even if you don't have the verses, you can cry out to God. And that was my experience. And it surprised me that day after day, I would wake up still feeling grieved Mm. and months going by and still feeling grieved. Mm -hmm. And I just cried out to the Lord, when is this going to be over? When? Will I get back to normal life? When will I feel whole and well again? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I had to cry out to God with the word of God open and just read all those verses. And whether they were helping or not, uh, actually feeling healed, Mm -hmm. I was being healed whether I felt like I was being healed or not. Why else would I, after months, begin to feel whole and complete again? Mm -hmm. If I have to, I give all the credit to God and and his word. Mm. His word that was like a comforting blanket around me, Mm -hmm. surrounding me and healing me. So you want healing to just happen, and then I feel great again, and I've shaken it off. But that's just not how it works. That's just not how it works. At least that's not how it worked for me. It was a process. I would agree with that. Mm. It took a long time. It wasn't wasn't quick. Mm -hmm. And I think it depends on sometimes that feeling may come from the feeling to have that urgency, like, okay, let's. And then wait, let's get on with this, right? Like, I've been crying enough. I'm tired of this, right? I think we can of our own grief. But I think there's also the other side, too, where 
once we kind of come out of the immediate dark place, we start to notice other people are looking at me to see if I'm okay or not. Even if they didn't know, oh no, I hope I don't give this away. Uh, Can anyone notice that I'm different? And I think there can be a sense of urgency that once again, we place upon ourselves to just kind of like get with some sort of program to look healed or whatever that is, wherever that comes from, right? That sense of like, oh no, I need to like look like I'm okay because I don't want to make other people sad or more Mm -hmm. sad. Everyone's looking to see if I'm sad, right? And I think there can be a pressure that comes from from the outside. And I don't think people are intending to put that pressure there. I think it just happens because people are normally, they, they, if they know, they want to care for you. And, but it can even become a burden at times, the whole like, oh, I'm just checking in. It's like, great. <laughs> and at the same time, I think we know that if we didn't get those check-in messages, we would feel alone. So our feelings are just so complicated in moments and we don't always know what we want what we need. Um, but there is a verse that I always like to go back to about like when we don't have the words, when we're just in the heat of those emotions, Romans eight twenty six, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray as we are. The spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I love that because <laughs> yes, we use words. We speak to the Lord. Yes, he has the word, how he speaks to us. But the Lord, he is omniscient, omnipresent, and he knows exactly what is going on in our hearts when we don't have the words. And I love that because as humans, we learn language, right? We learn language, but we experience all these feelings and emotions that we can't articulate, and he knows them. And I found that deeply comforting and also know that the Lord is not scared of our deepest, darkest emotions either. Um, They're there. (laughs) So um, I find that particularly uh, comforting in those moments. And, And I know for me, like being in the depths of the emotions, it was helpful for me to write down a verse, a different verse every week that was comforting to me, like in particular. And I would stick it on like the dashboard of my car or I'd have it in my wallet. And if I was like on the train or somewhere, I would take it out and read it and just be like, Lord, I don't really feel like this is true today, but I know it's true. And I'm just going to keep at this. Right. And to have that verse like in a spot where I could just grab it when I know I was struggling was powerful. I don't know. Did you all do anything practical like that? Like something tangible, I should say, not practical, something tangible that helped you hang on. I just, yeah, I was I had a mentor who had recommended to write your story and I'm not a writer, but you know, to just write out your experiences when it was kind of in those fresh depths. And I thought that was particularly helpful in terms of processing and like writing all the details, writing what happened. And I, you know, I've gone back and read it a few times and then the times that have passed and I'm thankful that I did that, but as far as for me, for practical, something I, I thought of while you were reading Romans 8, 26, um, we, our church at the time that we were attending, put out a new worship music CD. And I had been listening to that CD a lot before Jude died. And um, 
it was one particular verse of a song that said only Jesus can heal the broken. And I remember just saying that over and over and over and over Mm. until I realized it was true. And um, Mm. I think, you know, our, our songs that we sing that have scripture in them or songs that teach us true, uh, solid, uh, truth and doctrine, um, they can be really a comfort to go to during these times of loss because we might not can remember a Bible verse, but we can remember, you know, a, a hymn or a song that we can just sing over and over. And that was particularly comforting to me. Yeah. No, that's really good. And the, it's it's those songs that we learn sometimes in our childhood, too. Mm-hmm. back flooding back to us and sometimes maybe we i don't know maybe we feel like we're, we're so advanced but then psalm 23 comes back right so simple or preserve me O god for thee do i put my trust that was one that was like always like circling around in my head yeah yeah, yeah and for me it was journaling as well journaling was writing is just what I do, you know, so I write out everything and, and whether it's just bullet points or scratchings or whatever, I, I need to write it down and keep a remembrance of it. And also, um, the verse that helped me uh, a lot was Psalm 56, verse eight, you keep Mm -hmm. track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Mm. So I knew that all those tears weren't wasted. All that time wasn't wasted. Mm -hmm. And that brought me a lot of comfort. And music, for me, music really speaks to me. You know, I just, it just goes right to my spirit, right to my soul to Mm -hmm. hear the words of others and know that others have experienced loss as well Mm -hmm. and so they've been able to turn it into song into music and it could be an instrument of comfort right yeah I think I love how we're all talking about how we moved towards the Lord in some way Mm -hmm. and I think that's always the hardest thing to do because our human nature is to pull away and to say, Lord, you took something from me, right? Um, But since we're Christians, we have the Holy Spirit within us. We belong to him. And so we should never pull away from the one who has ultimate love. We may feel that for a time, those emotions, but there is a time for us to go back to his feet and yeah, I just think about like clearing through all the noise. And for me, the noise can be what's going on on social media. And I don't know about you, but we all know about the algorithm, right? Of every social media app that we have, Google, whatever. And depending on wherever someone is in, in their pregnancy, one of the things that can make coping difficult in the grieving process is the fact that because of the searches that you were engaging in your phone, the algorithm knows you were going to have a baby. Mm. So things still pop up, even if you don't want them to, right? 
whatever on Google, a recommendation for diapers, onesies, what? I thought it was some tragic. I was like, Lord, is this the devil? What's going on? Like, <laughs> this is some sort of sick joke, right? Mm. And I know it's the technology, but I think that that's something that in this day and age, people who are experiencing miscarriage or any type of baby loss are not necessarily anticipating. We're thinking about the human element, which I think is correct, but things just come up. Suddenly, all these pregnancy related things may come up on any of the platforms and it can really, really hurt and be an extra wound, especially if you feel like you've made some progress in a certain area. So I know in particular, staying away from those particular apps was impactful just because certain things can come up. Um, You can't avoid everything, but just if, if we know how this is how the technology works, we might help ourselves a little bit by staying away uh, because it's constant. It's constant. Yeah, that was, that was a huge, huge struggle for me after our loss. I can't even begin to describe to you how much I struggled to the point that, you know, crying with every pregnancy announcement that came up on my newsfeed, you know, oh. struggle so that I, thankfully, I, you know, I had a mentor that was like, why are you on social media? And I was like, you got to be on social media. Like, you can't die. What are you talking about? That's social suicide, you know? And I mean, I I did. I got got rid of Facebook, got rid of all my socials. And I just was so much more content with my life that the Lord had given me. And I can't tell you how much that really helps me with my discontentment, comparison, everybody's pregnant, wife. Nobody else has lost anything except me, you know, and all of that. And it was just so freeing, I think, to just that was what I had to do because I think I was not making any sort of progress with my jealousy of envy of the Lord had given all these other women babies. Where was mine? You know, and that's sort of a thought mentality. So it was so, so freeing to not see every pregnancy announcement and delivery announcement and gender reveal party. It's just the whole industry, you know, and. I yes. so recommend that to anybody. I mean, it's just so great to be completely off of it in the sense of mm-hmm. what our hearts, you know, our sinful bend is just to compare and to be jealous and social media. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you said the word industry, that definitely made me think, because I think that when there is a pregnancy announcement or your own acknowledgement of like, oh my goodness, right, I'm going to have a baby. There's a certain feeling of like, I'm included right? In this club. And then whatever's going on in the internet makes you feel more included. We're in this culture, we're in this group, right? And then suddenly when things don't go well, you're out. Mm. And that's jarring. And it's not just the emotions. It's also, I can't have the photos. I can't have the memories. And it digs and it digs. And I think there are things that we can do to help ourselves a little bit. Um, I know I was like on a whatever they call like a doomsday reel of sort of sorts on Reddit reading about other people's miscarriages. And it was informative to a certain extent. But then after a while I was like, I am hurting myself Mm. with this. I need to stop. You know, my husband took my phone from me. He's like, you got to stop. And I was just like, am I, am I getting more info or am I just, no, I am hurting myself further. Um, Cause I think we want that community, but you know, we can actually like extend the difficulty of the process and probably re-traumatize ourselves in a certain way by engaging too much in it. And I think everyone's limits are different, but having that awareness, like you said, Tracy, is so, so important. 
So, so I know on social media, there's a large place for women who have miscarried. Um, it's its own brand in a weird way, but I want to talk, especially Nathan with you about how, how have you dealt with, um, this experience in a different way? What are the needs that men whose wives are going through miscarriage? Like what are the needs that generally go unseen that we need to know about? I mean, I, I think men are, are going to be different in a lot of ways, like women are different. Um, but I can just give you my perspective and, you know, what I went through. And I, I suspect a lot of men will identify with, with what I'm saying. But for me, uh, and our, our loss with Jude, uh, Jude was 22 weeks and five days. He was one pound, five ounces, uh, 14 inches long, or maybe 13, 13 or 14 inches long. He was born in a hospital. Um, they swaddled him. I got to hold him. I got to rock him. I, I just sat there and cried for a long time. Um, and I think I, I'm grateful, I, I guess, that I got to hold Jude. I'm grateful that I got to see him. I think as a general rule, men are pretty visual. And so being able to see the child, being able to hold the child, I think is, uh, I really, I didn't have a problem not grieving or not relating uh, to Tracy. I think, you know, if if he would have died at six weeks, there wouldn't have been anything to hold. Tracy would have been going through all the hormonal changes that can lead to its own ups and downs that can be exasperating uh, to the marriage because you're like, well, I don't, you know, I, I know in my head that we had a loss, but I didn't experience it like I experienced it with Jude. And I think just honestly praying for patience and um, living with your wife in an understanding way, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and being patient through that is is really what we have to do. I can tell you one thing that was particularly important to me, and I I can't tell you why per se, but I was I was really um upset if that like I wanted other people to know Jude had existed. I wanted them to know that he had lived. I, I did not want him to be forgotten. And oh. that was very important to me and a year after he had died people reached out to us and just told us they remembered Jude they were you know mm. thankful for everything God had done and that was just huge to me our you know on none nobody in our own family acknowledged Jude on his year anniversary um but we had other friends who had lost children and and they did. And, and mm -hmm. I've, I've made a, a habit of anytime anyone dies or any time just trying to encourage people or minister to people. I put a reminder in my smartphone, you know, we all put a reminder for birthdays in our smartphone, but I put a lot of days that, this person died and reach out to this person and encourage them that I remember them and praying for them and thinking about them. And 
I would say it's it's been a huge blessing to me and I, and I think it's blessed others just to have something where we remember and we just I don't know uh that was particularly helpful for me um yeah those are the I guess the biggest things you know I'd say I think the general rule that I think a lot of women would probably agree with is that, you know, the the women tend to grieve longer, the men tend to get over it quicker sort of thing. We had a little bit of that. I remember, it, did, yeah. you know, Nathan was like, okay, I got to go back to work. And I was like, what do you mean? You're going to go to work? I can't get out of bed. <laughs> you know, how can, how can you function, you know, and just a bit more of that practical side that I, you know, I think there were times that I said, like, I'm, you know, I think you feel like you've moved on and I haven't. And I've said that to him and he was very, like he said, patient with me to sit with me and talk about Jude and talk about it again. And, mm-hmm. you know, look, look at the pictures we had, whatever keepsakes we had, you know, he was very patient. I was like, Oh, you need me to sit here and listen to you again. Like I can do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it can be a hard thing too, because it's one person is experiencing this in their own body Mm-hmm. The other person is observing, but it doesn't mean it's any less of a loss. And I remember in particular going through the grieving process. And I remember, I remember reading somewhere about how sometimes when couples go through certain tragedies together, sometimes they start to have deep marriage problems because they're grieving differently. Like, yes, you're one, but you're two different people. You experience it two different ways. And I remember like having a keen sense of like, yeah. I can see how this breaks people up. Mm-hmm. This is hard stuff and you're not always processing the same. You have to like inform the other person of what's going on with you. And it's not, it's not easy because you don't want to invalidate whatever that person is saying either. Yeah. It's, it's not, I feel like I keep saying the same thing over and over, but it is, it's not easy sorting through any of these things. And I don't think you can really prepare can only be present talk to each other talk to the lord you know as it comes up um yeah one other thing i thought about just when tracy was saying that too that i would just caution men on is and i I think women can do this too but i know men uh we have hobbies we have work we have this we have that you know we have all these things that we can just stay going nine million miles an hour at and um i think busyness afterward like i would say after like the month the month was over i drifted toward just staying busy so i applied for a new job started a new job like you know when you learn a new job it takes a lot of time and effort and so i don't have time to think about this and and i think that's i think just wanting to be busy is probably what drives a lot of that well you're already moved on and Mm -hmm. that i really moved on is that i was just distracting myself in different ways and so i would just i would tell i would i would tell most men you know you just slow down and and you don't have to be busy um and that will help you kind of be on the same page with the grieving process i think yeah, and I think along those lines, you had said some said this, Patricia, uh, how important it is to move towards each other and not away from each other or pointing fingers or 
who's to blame here? Who's the weak genetic link and or yeah. anything like that? But moving towards each other means, you know, you listen to each other. Like Nathan was saying and Tracy was saying, you have to, you know, sit down and maybe tell the story again and listen patiently to each other and pray together and read scripture together and cry together. Mm-hmm. You know, that's important, too. And and just be together mm-hmm. rather than being busy, you know. And if there are no other children and this was your first loss, both can get really busy and drown themselves in their own stuff, in their own busyness, which they may feel like it's helping them to heal or helping them to grieve through, but at the same time, it may be pushing them apart. Hmm. So always be aware of moving towards each other as you move together towards the Lord. I like what you both said about like the, the underlying feeling of like, hurry up, let's hurry towards something. And I think that, there's a lot of difficulty with that. I think our our society, our country, everything's moving so fast. And if we don't move fast, then we miss our opportunity. And I remember the pressure. Maybe it was like not intentional. <laughs> I felt when I was at the hospital and I think the radiologist was like, it's fine. Like, you're fine. You're fine. Everything looks great. Like, you could just try to get have a baby like next month. And I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. You know, like, and I think she was trying to be hopeful. Uh, and just tell me like I was okay or I didn't need any surgeries or anything like that. But I just remember feeling like this is not correct, <laughs> at least for me. That was not the the urgency to be in a hurry. And I know some people go on rather quickly and they try again and they may have children. That's mm-hmm. not okay for everyone. And I think you have to, uh, when you're discussing with your spouse, you know, like what is the Lord saying to us about how long we should be wait, or it's a moment by moment. Like I'm not ready today. <laughs> I can't even think mm-hmm. about another child or person or is yeah. it possible? And it's okay to just be patient. Right. And to just say, all right, it's okay to slow down. Yes, absolutely. It's okay to slow down. And I know there can be a lot of pressures. Maybe there are people who feel like, Oh, it was before 12 weeks. Move on. There are people who hear these things, right? Or your age, right? Like for me in particular, it was kind of like the doctor was like, all right, you're in your 30s. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm still grieving. I'm like, should I tell my doctor that I'm grieving? Is this even his area? You know, Um, but it impacts, right? These decisions that we make prayerfully, how we look to the future, it's still a walk of faith. Um, But when we're hurting, it's still difficult. So thinking about the grieving process, and I really want to approach this question sensitively because I know that there are deep longings for motherhood, fatherhood that many people have. Not everybody has them, but many people do. So when we go through things like this and we have a longing for a child, for a family that involves children, how do we make sure that we don't start to worship? the idea of becoming parents, mothers, fathers, and almost become obsessed with undoing 
what we have experienced. What do we do? I think for me is, you know, one of the things that we learned through the whole process and one of the things that I kind of learned is how to identify idols. Our hearts are deceitful. Even as born again people, we have blind spots. We, we need people speaking truth to us. We need people rebuking and admonishing us. And, you know, I, I think any idol, a uh, child or any object or anything else, I think if we, even if we don't say the words exactly, but this is more or less the heart of our our thoughts and our heart on the issue if we say if i had a child i would be complete i would be happy if i had a husband i would be complete and happy if you know whatever the if fill in the blank if it's not christ then it's not where it needs to be and and i and i I definitely agree with you on, you know, these are good desires. God put these desires within us. Um, they're not, they're not wrong in and of themselves. They just have to be where God placed them. Um, you know, a lot of good, a lot of good things can be really bad gods and, you know, children are, are one of them. But I think for me, if I, if I, if I'm honest with myself, if, uh, if I ever start saying, if I had X, it's a pretty good indication that I'm idolizing that, whatever that is. And I, I don't think this is any different. Like if we had a child, we would have a complete family or, you know, something like that. So I definitely struggled with this after our loss. I was just very very, very anxious for the next baby to come along because I was ready to, like Elise had said, I was ready to stop being sad and I was ready for something else to come along at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very hard, <laughs> very hard. As I said, I definitely took myself off of social media, as I mentioned, as a good way to remove some of those temptations. I had a mentor that would just say to me often, often that Adam and Eve were a complete family. Just mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was no no children that made them a complete family. Mm-hmm. And Nathan said that our identity is complete in Christ. There's nothing to be added to it. You know, making you a mom does not make you any more mm-hmm. or in the club, as we said, you know. But yeah, it's a good thing to remind yourself of because it can feel like culture is telling you to be a complete family. You have to have at least two children. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've and you've got to try to go for the boy and the girl. Um, <laughs> and then you've got to stop then. So culture has one idea, but God's idea is completely different. And so to remind ourselves, this yeah. is God's intention. This yeah. is his perfect will. Aww. Adam and Eve were a perfect family, just the two of them. So, and I don't have to have a child to be complete. There's no idea of Christ plus anything else. Hmm. Yeah. But he's the only one who truly satisfies. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, even in my prayers, I'd be like, Lord, I, I do pray for a child, but help me to be okay if that's not your will. You yeah, know, exactly. Not, help mm-hmm. me to be content with that if that's yeah. what your plans are. Yeah. That was my prayer over and over because my infant loss 
came on the tail end of almost 10 years of infertility. So it was like infant loss on top of infant loss. It's like, come yeah. on, God, what what are you doing here? You know, okay. this is really too much. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he walked me through it all. And I think sometimes when we go through those moments, I think we can get really in the granular. Um, I think it's like the same thing with marriage or certain careers where we might look at ourselves in the mirror and it's like, well, I look like a mother. I look like I should have these things. I'm this type of person. And then we start to get entitled a bit, right? Like, well, I know I would be like this. And so therefore I deserve that. And these people over here, they don't, right? And we can get really into the weeds sometimes about maybe our personal qualities that we think qualify us right and then like let's see how our prayers start to change lord i know i'm right we start to make demands and don't you know i'm like this i'd be great right which (laughs) which may end up being that way but i think that we we kind of pile all of these other things onto our core identity as those who belong to the lord um and we hold on to them And, and i really like what you said nathan that if we have to if we have a phrase saying if I get this, right, we want to say, then I will therefore be complete. And we know that's not true. We have so many examples in the Bible of that not being true. And Tracy, when you mentioned what your mentor said to you, instantly what came to mind was John the Baptist's parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and how they dealt with infertility until they were old. They didn't have a child at all. But he was working in the temple. He was dedicated to the Lord. She was busy as well. They had respect in their community. And then like, surprise, right? And that was their story. But I always look back at that that passage. I think it's in the book of Luke, where you see who they were as adults. And I think maybe a little bit senior citizens as well, how they were busy about their lives were not devoid, right? They did not have, oh, we have no purpose now. We can't do anything, right? And I take a lesson from that because life doesn't always go as we expect, but we can still have joy. We still have purpose. And I think the lie that comes from the enemy is that we have no purpose unless we have. Yeah. So a lot of people talk about breaking the silence when it comes to miscarriage and stillbirth or other types of baby loss. And there is a general encouragement to share what we're going through publicly. But there are people who aren't comfortable with that for whatever reason. So based on our experiences here, what steps can people take to get private support if they just don't want to have an audience for what they're going through? What comes to my mind is going to what I might call a neutral place, like the pregnancy centers. Nobody knows you. You don't know them. You have come to a safe place, which they remind you of often. And you come to develop a relationship with one particular um, mentor or counselor so that um, you can freely talk about what you have just gone gone through. And so it's away from social media. It's away from your church. It's away from your family. 
but it is still a way to connect with others and be able to talk through and maybe even cry through with someone else. And, and I, I just think that's a really helpful avenue. Hmm. Yeah. Our, our particular situation was really public and my preference would have very much been to be very private and not have anybody know what had happened. That would have most certainly been what I would have chosen if I could have. Um, but I would say the Lord taught me through all that to be very vulnerable to people that I would never have. So that that was a big um, breaking down my walls that I had had up really brought those down with that big public loss. Um, I can definitely understand wanting to keep it quiet and, you know, not telling. However, I, I can tell you, and I know people could probably share the same story of coming out of the silence and maybe telling somebody mm-hmm. it is very helpful to a lot of people to process their grief. And it doesn't have to be your family, like Elise said. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I would recommend would just if you could find that trusted friend or mentor in your church would be the best person to be open and vulnerable with it, because I think it's a big burden to just keep it silently and not share with anybody but or Mm -hmm. a good biblical miscarriage or baby loss resource that you can um you know get the biblical help that you need yeah i um i i really can't tell you how many people i talk to on the phone or in person that I had never met before that just called to reach out and offer their condolences, tell me they had been through it, uh, pray for me. And um, I was really, it really made me understand uh, the second Corinthians verse where it says comfort one another with the comfort we've been comforted by God. And And I realized through this loss that God uses other people to comfort us, and it is truly from God. But, you know, I I think just as far as like breaking the signs, I I think talking about it helps. I think showing people uh, that we cry, showing people that we grieve, showing, I, I think some people, they, you know, different cultures, different backgrounds, it's almost this hardness is, um, put on this pedestal that, you know, no emotion, no grief, no nothing, you know, just move on and and it'll be fine. Uh, but just showing people our vulnerabilities. Um, and I think, honestly, this is honestly where a lot of just Christian life comes in within the church. I think we have to be able to talk man to man, you know, like with the statistic 20, 26% have experienced miscarriage. Well, out of 10 couples that we all know, three of them have experienced miscarriage. And I think asking hard questions and I think just kind of leading by example, what we found is when we talk about it, people will come up to us and then talk about it afterwards. But people aren't going to just come up to you and tell you about their loss with just nothing. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think just telling other people, showing other people. And then a lot of, a lot of times it's reciprocated. Yeah. I know that Tracy, you said that you would have rather had your loss not been as public as it was 
but that there was there was a blessing that came out of people knowing so people could be there for you. I think about people who have so-called invisible losses. And um, just for our audience, invisible losses are classified as pregnancies that end somewhere before the 12-week mark or before the woman's pregnancy is publicized in some way, showing or they haven't told them. So I think people have a difficulty revealing miscarriages that come from so-called invisible pregnancy because you kind of have to break the ice and say, well, you know, I was pregnant and then I had a loss, right? Because that conversation hasn't happened yet. So some people may not feel like they want to share because they didn't even tell anyone (laughs) from the beginning that they were pregnant because maybe they felt it was too early. And then now it's the sadness and people may notice a change about you or maybe like Nathan, like, you were saying people might try to put up like this hard face of nothing has happened to me because they don't want other people to know about what took place because they said, oh, well, I didn't tell anyone anyway. Should I tell them that I'm suffering right now through this? So I know this is, it can be complicated, but how can we as believers better support people who are grieving so-called invisible losses, even if they're not ready to share. Like, how do we, how can we do this? How can we be supportive? I think there are having resources available, I guess, you know, good biblical resources. What, you know, another thing my mentor said, is not that time heals all wounds as people always say, but it's more like time well spent, you know, and, and I think these people need to have, you know, those Bible verses to read when they're ready for them. They need to have, you know, scripture memory on hand for when the hard times come and just having those books of people that have had similar losses. So you don't feel like you're alone. I know I did a lot of reading of people that had similar losses. And I would say just having, I guess, the resources in hand to support those people that are going through losses. So it doesn't have to be such a lonely experience. I think for those people is very helpful. And just, you know, it, as a general reminder, I mean, I don't know how to say this the right way, but, you know, for someone you don't know if they've had a loss, but just the teaching that losses are, they are really losses, even if it was before the 12th meeting, that God does acknowledge all life, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, even though we can't see it, you know, that's, that's still something that is, you know, mm-hmm. a loss. Right. Yeah. God sees it, right? God has seen that little one inside of us and knows that they did exist. They were a living, I wanted to say breathing, but not exactly breathing, but a living soul, uh, a living person. And I think that um, having the resources to share with others, but to also make sure that we ask, would you like to read this? You know, Hmm. I have this resource. Would you be interested? Or when you're ready, Mm -hmm. I have this book for you that helped me. I don't know if it'll help you. Maybe it will. So that we never are pushing or no one feels as though we're pushing anything on them. Yeah. And also to be careful that we're not giving cliches to people. 
Mm. Like some that you mentioned, Patricia, like, well, you know, you can have another baby or, well, you know, you should just get over this. You know, well, a lot this happens to a lot of people. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Those are not comforting words. But being ready to to sit with someone who's hurting, mm-hmm. being ready to listen, um, as was mentioned before, and, and just hear their story, just letting or letting them know that it seems as though something is bothering you. Um, when you're ready, mm-hmm. I'm here to listen. Not I'm here to talk. I'm here to listen and mm-hmm. let you talk. So, and maybe just an arm around the shoulder, or if you want to pray together, I'd be happy to pray for you, with you, whatever it is you want. So just being available. Yeah, that's good. Nathan, I know before we started recording, you had said that some things came to mind for you about helpful and unhelpful things Mm -hmm. that were done in your experience. I'd love if you could share um, some of those things, just like a, a quick list. So people yeah. know if they don't know. Yeah. So I had a, a couple things that I, I remember being particularly hurtful and unhelpful and I've tried really hard not to uh, continue those. And, and there was several things that were very helpful and very uplifting and encouraging. I think the the first thing that came to mind was just with your close friends, with your, I guess your confident, friends you'd be there with hugs and tears uh i remember you know one of my good friends from college he just cried with me and um it'd been a lot just to hear him cry just to have him pray for me and so i think that is really helpful and i think the other thing that has been particularly helpful for me is that i've just realized all throughout scripture we see god doing what only he can do in our lowest and our weakest points. We see Israel repenting when they're, you know, slaves in Egypt. We see the prodigal son repenting when he's eaten in the pig trough. We see in God and, and I guess, and I, and I'm, I mean this um, in the most sincere kind of way, when somebody experiences a loss I'm excited in the fact that God may use that to deepen their faith, to cause new faith to begin like it did for us, because this is not the end and it's not impossible for God to to use this to bring glory to himself and to make make that person what he or, what he or she is supposed to be. So I, I think just praying that these would be used in a helpful way. A quote that I found that um, from a missionary uh, it says, difficulties afford a platform upon which he, God, can show himself. Without them, we could never know how tender, faithful, and almighty our God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that's helpful, I think, is understanding the time and, and like Elise said earlier, asking people where they're at, not just okay, um, here's a bunch of Bible verses and, you know, next week we're going to read a book like, hey, are you like this book was helpful with for us and our loss. Would you like to read it? Maybe they're not there yet. Maybe they are. But understanding that timeline, there's a time for truth, a time for healing, a time for crying. Um, And those times are different. And so asking questions and not just, okay, we're going to do this. 
praying for people, I think is, is huge. Like, like just related to helping them to see what God wants them to see through all this. Um, and then the other thing I've already mentioned is the reminder on the calendar. Unhelpful. I called it speaking for God. Um, you'll get another one. You don't know that, uh, God didn't want you to have this child. God knew something would be wrong with this child. You'll get pregnant again. You know, all these things that people say that they can't make come into to existence. Mm-hmm. Anything that begins with at least, uh, at least you got oh. pregnant, at least, you know, whatever, whatever. Those are very unhelpful. And what's something else we've touched on that um, we definitely experienced is, okay, after it's been a week, like everything should be fine. That's not helpful. And then Elise mentioned this too, not saying anything. I think a lot of people don't know what to say. And even if they know about the loss, but just saying you're sorry. I mean, just acknowledging the loss can go so much further than like nothing. And then as far as, Christian to Christian brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters. I think just moving toward people intentionally, not aggressively, but intentionally just letting them know that you're there, letting them know, you know, that you're here for them. You're hurting for them. You, you know, you're in their shoes, so to speak with them. I think that if we don't do that, I don't think that is, is helpful. I think most people will say they don't want it, but if you can, get into that space Mm. our experience has been people have always appreciated it and i know we appreciated it so i think that's that's my yeah yeah i i like what you said about just being having the opportunity to be there and be present for others instead of just trying to push your program onto Mm. them even if someone has experienced the loss, sometimes it can be like, okay, this worked for me. So here's my program. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's not necessarily appropriate either. Um, and I think, especially for Christian to Christian, I think one thing that we always, I think, forget because we get caught up in our own genu- ingenuity is we must ask the Lord, what should I say? What should I not say? Please direct me in the right way. Because we don't know. We don't know the specifics of someone else's experience. We don't know what they need. We don't know what their journey is going to be. And we may have a very common experience in common, but we're all different people. And only the Lord knows the precise thing that we are in need of and how it's going to affect us long term. So I think definitely taking that step. And I feel like it's okay to say, I don't know what to say, but my heart is with you, right? I had a friend, um, she actually listens to this podcast. I won't say her name, but she knows who she is. I had a friend who, she had experienced a loss before I did. And sadly, ironically, one of her children and my loss, we had the same due date. And I remember feeling like, Lord, what is this? I don't like this. This is not fair. This seems cruel. Her child lives and mine doesn't. Same day, really? You know, all these emotions. And I remember the day before she had her child and then what would have been my due date as well. I got flowers at my house and a card that just said, I love you. And she didn't have to do that. She's about to have a kid, right? But I appreciated so much that gesture 
there wasn't a lot of words. Yeah. It's just an acknowledgement that like sometimes the people that we're closest to, we can be experiencing sadness and joy at the same time. And it feels awkward to be in that space together. But that's the Christian walk with others. We don't know what the Lord is doing in each other's lives. It's pain, tragedy, but we should walk together as we walk with the Lord and be there for each other. And I hope that one day I can be there for someone else in that, in a similar way, even though I hope that no one has to be there, right? But I would want the Lord to give me the strength to just say, okay, Lord, what should I do? What should I say? What should I not say to help someone else? Um, you know, so Elise, Nathan, Tracy, I thank you all so much for just willing to be so vulnerable and open with your experiences. I know that it's not easy talking about these things. Um, it's hard. There's something inside of us that wants to forget <laughs> um, what we've been through because it's 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 rather painful. But I'm really thankful that you all were open and. Also, thank you so much for the focus that you put on the word of God and closeness to the Lord. I think that we are in a place in our society where we are not necessarily grasping for truth. And it's celebrated to just live in your emotions and whatever your emotions say is true and right and correct. And that's it. And I think as Christians, we have to move into our grief properly. We have to process. But I think we also have to move towards holding on to the truth of the word of God, that he is with us, he's near to us. And every life has a purpose, no, no matter how long or how short it was, and that he walks with us in this. So to our listeners, some of you might be suffering silently. And I hope that this podcast helped you in some way. If you have not been through this experience, our intention is not to make you fear this. To just let you know that if you do go through something like this, the Lord is with you and there are other Christians who are with you too. We just implore that you reach out to other believers who are in your immediate vicinity, who are trustworthy. Make sure you lean on them for support so they can walk with you through this. Lean on Christ, God's word, and God's people. It might look like no one else can understand what you're going through, and that's true. Pray. Ask the Lord for wisdom to direct you to the right people to speak with. We're the body of Christ. When one member suffers, we all suffer. So I just want to close with a song. I know Nathan mentioned how songs can just stick in our minds and help us. And I just want to share a hymn that became my favorite that I often played and on the piano and just kind of sang in my heart to the Lord. And I want to share it with everyone else. It's a hymn called God Will Take Care of You. Be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day, over all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Thank you for listening to the Patterns of Truth podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode. And we also encourage you to check out patternsoftruth.org, where we post articles every week for the encouragement and growth of Christ followers. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to submit them on our website. I'm Peter. Until next time.